Hello and welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. Teddy Draper here. We'll get to the show in just a moment, but quickly a word for our sponsors. Big thank you to our chief sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham, who are specialists in home entertainment systems, world-class home entertainment systems, and pride themselves on top draw home installations and customer service. Get in touch with Jason Briggs and his fine team through Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham. Search for Serene AV online to get Jason's number. Now, are you looking to optimize your immunity, particularly as we uh, dive into those gloomy months of winter here in the UK? Perhaps some vitamin D3 might be in order. Vitamin, you may call it, wherever you're listening to uh, the podcast from. But please say the podcast has an association with Cytoplan, food-based supplement company that gets you 30% off your first purchase, 10% ongoing with the discount code DRAPER10R. My last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numbers one zero and the capital letter R. That's at cytoplan.co.uk. On the subject of health and fitness, I am a sports broadcaster, predominantly for Sky Sports in the UK, but also qualified sports scientist and personal trainer and looking to work in 2024 with a handful of select busy men between the age of 30 and 55, perhaps not having enough time to go to those gym for the thrice weekly two-hour sessions. It's something that would be an interest to you if you want to steer in the right direction towards your health and fitness with the home workouts, nutrition tips, lifestyle hacks, things around daylight, sleep, little tidbits that I've gleaned on the way, particularly working shifts over the past 20 years and juggling that with being a dad as well. So find out more about that at drapermedia.co.uk or get in touch. Hello at drapermedia.co.uk. Now on with the show. Tom, welcome back. How are you doing? The Christmas tree looks resplendent behind you. You're fully festive yeah. in the White Household. I am. Well, I'm obsessed with Christmas. We actually, I normally put the decorations up on the 25th of November because it's like exactly a month till Christmas. That's what yeah. we normally do. But because um, on the 25th of November, we didn't have, my son, he was with his mum. Yeah. So we actually did it a week early. Ah, you know, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Hours have been up since uh, the middle of November. Is that a real tree then? No, no, no. no. It's, it's new. I've had this. I've had the same one for years and years, and uh, my wife demanded a new one this year. So, <laughs> what did you have like so a three then, a three foot twig is. before? Because that's pretty big. That's a good. What is that? It's hard to tell from perspective, but is it a six footer? Yeah, six foot. It's six foot. But there's we. I mean, we've got decorations everywhere, like loads outside. I mean, everywhere in the house. But you know when people. Put their Christmas decorations away and say, oh, the house looks a bit empty. Ours, yeah. Our house is so min minimalistic, apart from around Christmas. At Christmas, you can't move for uh, various uh, little Christmas trees and lights everywhere. When do you take them down? Normally take them down um, around a bit. It all depends if I'm working, really. Working, but yeah. Yeah. Sometimes even New Year's Day, but, but second or third, something like that. As soon as... Yeah, as soon as I get a chance after New Year. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's nice to like say a little bit of Christmas clutter and then to get get rid of it after the the Christmas day. We've got a real tree and we went early. We're, yeah, probably about a week ago actually. A week ago, well, Saturday. So I think that's going to be maybe a little bit of a gamble. We have got water underneath it. See how it how it lasts lasts it out. But I do like a real. Ah, oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> so Tom, let's explain to people who are tuning in 
First of all, expecting Manchester United journalist Tom McDermott, but Tom speaking at a cyber press conference today as a keynote speaker. Got a late shout, so congratulations to him. Meant he couldn't come on the pod. Then we pivoted towards a Tottenham special. And then uh, last night, Tottenham went five games without a win and it all unraveled for Michael Bridge, Tottenham author and, of course, Sky Sports reporter. Yeah, so so what happens then, and I know exactly what, it, what it's like. Um, so with Tottenham you know, having a bad spell, certainly not struggling, but having a bad spell. If, um, if, you know, if, if Bridgie comes on and has a kind of lighthearted pod with us about his favourite Tottenham players, it's kind of like bad timing because there's no feel good factor at the moment. Everyone's a little bit worried in Tottenham fans, a little bit worried. Yeah. Um, obviously I, I don't think they've got any reason to be, but Tottenham fans are a little bit worried. And I kind of, I do get it because as we record this, Sunderland don't have a manager and our mm. former's, our form has been poor, but this is our podcast. We've got sponsors, you know, and there's no way I'm, there's no way I missed it. But really, um, if I was to be a guest on a podcast, it shouldn't really be about anything other than Sunderland. Yes. Because at the moment, there's a lot to talk about. It's funny, um, yeah. it's funny that emotion that goes into it, isn't it? Because it's great when it's going well, but it's interesting how it affects people and they kind of worry about upsetting the other fans. And it's, it's almost like a kind of religion at this time. Well, that's it. He might, like, we, we might get, like, Bridgie might get stick for doing it. You see, and it's mm. like, well, we can do them another time when things are going better for Tottenham, which I'm sure those times are just around the corner. Yeah. Um, so I can, I, you know, I, I, can, I, I completely can understand that because I feel like that as well sometimes. Like, well, what are you doing? Like, what, what are you, what are you doing on that podcast? Why aren't you, why aren't you telling me who the new Sunderland manager is going to be? That kind of thing. Mm. Um, and you can get a bit of, a bit of grief for it. So we'll just, we'll store that one up and. Actually, it'd be good to get him on in January anyway, or, or maybe when the January window closes, because he's very, very busy with transfers in January. So it might be quite nice to do a kind of Tottenham and transfer special at the start of February, maybe. Yeah, that would be brilliant. And actually, it's a neutral. Spurs fans wouldn't necessarily enjoy this, but it's still fantastic to watch in terms of the, the attitude. And that's, that's what I was really looking forward to, the Spurs one. I look forward to doing it again, because so many flamboyant, extravagant, entertaining players down the years, haven't there been? Like Lineker and Gascoigne when we first started, Waddle and Hoddle a bit before us, but then Klinsman and Anderton, Barbie, Dimitrescu, Bar- not Barbie, Bambi. <laughs> Bambi, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Bale, Modric. Yeah, Bale, Bale Modric, Ericsson. Yeah, Sheringham. Um, yeah. Uh, Berbatov, had, uh, Robbie Keane. Uh, obviously, Jermaine Defoe. Caden well. Crouch. Yeah, so yeah, but well, we'll we'll store that one. Don't worry, Tottenham fans will be back with that one. And although today, though, Teddy, although we're not we're not completely casting aside Manchester United, are we? No, we're not because we've 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 hinted at this and we've mentioned a lot of the names. We wanted to explore in more detail. You being the aficionado of this, because generally, in the season of giving, it has been Manchester United giving to Sunderland in terms of some players down the years, players becoming managers of Sunderland as well, which we'll, we'll, we'll get into. Coach Ricky Spradger as well. Remember going to uh, Sunderland after being a coach at Manchester United. So that's the went, He went Sunderland to Manchester United. Oh, you're right, and yeah. And then back to Sunderland was, uh, and became our manager for a while, kept us up. Yes, yeah. So there's a, there's, there is a strange thread. And you get this between clubs, don't you? Obviously, there's kind of forbidden transfers that you do see people violate sometimes, but Liverpool and, and Manchester United, Paul Ince didn't do directly. Peter Beardsley played for Everton and, and Liverpool, but there's uh, there's definitely a happy path, it seems, between between Manchester United and Sunderland. Yeah, well, I mean, we're not rivals, are we? We'll never be. I mean, we literally, sometimes we're literally in the same league as Manchester United, but not not really, are we? We're never going to be a threat. Um, well, if our slide continues, you never know. It could be a, a lower end of the ta- lower table Premier League clash in a couple of years. Well, I think it might be a while till we're back in the Premier League, but... Uh, 
but hopefully one day. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about kind of players and managers, etc., who've had a link between our two clubs. Because when it's when it's short notice like this, and you've got to come up with a topic, and you haven't uh, we haven't put it out on social media to get any responses. Let's stick to what we know. You know Manchester United. I know Sunderland. Let's talk about that link. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, talk about the player. Let's have a quiz question for you. By the way, people that did very kindly respond to our Tottenham scenario and their top Tottenham Hotspur uh, players, which I know a lot of the people replied weren't actually Spurs fans, which I guess shows the affection that people have for some of those Spurs entertaining players. Danny. We will do that with Michael Bridge. We'll probably retweet it near the time, won't we, Tom? And, and just add to the answers we've already got. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That'll work. But you've got a, you've got a quiz question, haven't you? I have got a quiz question. Yes, let me get to it in a second. This is a player who's played for both clubs. He may be on your list. So maybe if you get this t- straight away, Tom, hold off oh, for well, answering well, it. But yeah. it's a man who's very similar aged. Well, it's between you and me. He's 41. So you're 40, I'm 42. He is five feet 11. He was born in Sevres, France, or France, as he probably says. Uh, played for Cannes, Sunderland where he scored one league goal in 20 appearances. I know who it is already. <laughs> Played for Manchester United after that, which is rare actually to go that way around in terms of the yeah. lineage of the history of what we're talking about here with the players. Uh, he scored four league goals in 24 appearances for Manchester United. He scored in his debut on a pre-season tour of America against Celtic. It's a good connection between United and Celtic down the years as well. And then he uh, went on loan to Nice, played for Nice, Bordeaux, Nice on loan again and finished up playing for Red Star in 2016. So you already know, I guess we'll get to um, get to those a little bit later then in terms of you illuminating everyone else. Because it's a, it's an interesting one, a player that had so much promise and excitement talking about flair players. He was lightning quick. And it, when he played, without giving the answer answer away, I, I will say that he played under, um, he played under, he was, he was signed under Peter Reid, although he, he actually lasted he was still there when Peter Reid left, if you know what I mean. Um, so he played under Howard Wilkinson as well, and possibly Mick McCarthy too briefly. Um, but back then, we we never signed anyone with pace. We always yeah. Peter Reid had a, he was so good. He he had brilliant sides, but we always lacked pace, and he had it. And then Manchester United nicked him. Yeah, you've caught Ferguson's eye. It's funny, isn't it, when you think about Ferguson? We we all remember the fantastic signings. Not this player. Wasn't he wasn't in the Bebe kind of category of Manchester United's signings, but was, there were a few down the years that didn't quite work that, that Ferguson took a gamble on. But yeah, you kind of you don't see that in the modern Manchester United. It's always buying maybe the the high profile player off the back of the paper. But I think Sunderland got relegated that year, didn't they? Is that right when he went, went to Manchester United? Yeah, we we went. Uh, yeah, that's why I think he actually might have had a little bit of spell under uh, Mick McCarthy because we went because uh, that season we start with Peter Reid. Had a bad start. Appointed Howard Wilkinson. Howard Wilkinson didn't last the season. Mick McCarthy um, took over for the the final part of the season. I just don't know when this player actually left Sunderland for Manchester United. Whether it was January or the end of the season, that's why I'm not sure if he played under Mick McCarthy or not. But but uh, yes, I know the answer, and that'd be quite a good one. Anyone anyone listening, if you can uh, get it without googling, it'll be quite impressive because he's uh, one of the lesser known uh, players who we would have on our lists. Yeah, it's a difficult spell. People give give him a clue. Something that happened that summer of 2003 was, of course, David Beckham playing on the right-hand side of midfield, went to Real Madrid at the age of 28. And this player's first game was to, to win the FA Community Shield in 2003 for Manchester United. But that was actually a rare barren spell for United under Ferguson in terms of once they'd won the league in 93, because they went from 03 to 2007 without winning a title. So difficult spell for him to be at the club. And everyone there, actually, in that, that rebuild and ultimately, I, I guess... Cristiano Ronaldo became the the key wide player in that in that team 
Uh, so, Tom, Manchester United, Sunderland Connections, where do we start? Right. I am going to start with someone who became our manager. I'm going to go with uh, Roy Keane, who sadly didn't play for us. I think had he still been, had he still been, had he been player manager, he would have been our best player still. But I think his his knee or his hip, I think it might be his hip. Yeah, hip, I believe. Yeah, it's Celtic. Yeah. Um, so Roy Keane, obviously a Manchester United legend. He then went to Celtic. He finished his playing career. And we, in the summer of 2006, we had a takeover at the club. Uh, Sir Bob Murray had done all he had done all he could, but um, sadly, finances weren't great at the club anymore. He was looking to relinquish control. Mm. Niall Quinn, rather than just raising some money for the club, Niall Quinn got a consortium together called Drummerville, who bought the club, and suddenly there was money to spend. And Niall Quinn's first thing he wanted to do was appoint Roy Keane as manager. Roy Keane, it would be his first managerial job. He actually declined. Niall Quinn said, right, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be caretaker manager. He did try a few people. He tried Martin O'Neill. He tried Sam Allardyce. Niall Quinn said, I'm just going to be caretaker manager. So he was chairman and caretaker manager, Niall Quinn. (laughs) Um, And after a dreadful start in the championship, because we'd just been relegated, um, with what was it then a record of 15 points, a record lower 15 points since since being beaten by Derby. Um, Roy Keane, after a terrible start, we're down near the bottom of the championship. Roy Keane uh, picked up the phone this time when, when Niall Quinn phoned him. Niall Quinn said, will you come in now? Roy Keane said, oh, why not? <laughs> he came in with us right down near the bottom of the championship and we went up as champions which is incredible. He didn't even start that brilliantly. He just went on this amazing run in the new year. We were unbeatable. Um, We got promoted with a a game, I think it was one game to spare. And then on the final day, we thrashed Luton 5-0 or 5-1 and leapfrogged Birmingham and actually won the championship. And then the next season, Roy Keane kept us in the Premier League. So he's someone who who was thought of very... I mean, Manchester United fans rightly love him for what he did as a player. Sunderland fans think very, very highly of Roy Keane. We have very fond memories. And there was a chance that he might have come back to the club as a, as a manager when we were in League One. Eventually that didn't happen and we appointed Alex Neal and got promoted anyway. So all's well, all's well that ends well. We still love Roy Keane up there. He was young as well, wasn't he? What, 35? Something like that when he when he took over. There was, was there ever any talk of him, you know, being a part-time player as well or anything like that? Was it, He was definitely done at, at that stage after Celtic. Yeah, he'd retired, and I, I, I've got a feeling it was his hip. So, as much as the Sunderland fans would have loved him to have um, still been playing, that was never an option. He made that very clear. Really interesting that that Quinns chose Roy Keane or asked Roy Keane, given the Republic of Ireland connection as well, because Keane, as you say, is, is lauded by all circles. There's, there's a great video on YouTube. It's got hundreds of thousands of views. It talks about players citing who their best leader they played with and actually even Paul Ince who played with a young Roy Keane had him in his all-time 11 footballers regardless of of, of, of who was stretching out whether it was Serie A playing for Inter Milan Liverpool etc Gerrard all those players but it, it was interesting because obviously Ireland that was the 2002 World Cup was shrouded in controversy wasn't it when Roy Keane got sent home had that massive bust up with Mick McCarthy but the fact that Quinn went to him illustrated perhaps that that even in Irish circles he wasn't ill thought of keen for for that scenario yeah and remember that our I mean Quinn was only caretaker manager remember before that it was it was actually Mick McCarthy that Roy Keane was replacing really oh yeah yeah because what, what a turn Kevin, of events 
Kevin Ball as caretaker manager, then Niall Quinn as caretaker manager. So uh, officially, in terms of manager to manager, he was he was taking over from Mick McCarthy. There's a good story here, actually. Um, so they obviously didn't get on. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, and and what what Niall Quinn said actually the, the day before Roy Keane was appointed, Niall Quinn said publicly, "We are close to appointing a world class football person." Right? Didn't say manager because he'd never been a manager before. And when Roy Keane came in, that made sense because he is world class football person. Um, but both Mick McCarthy and Roy Keane have talked about this. No, sorry, I think I've only heard Mick McCarthy talk about it. But um, Sunderland had a player, a centre back called Neil Collins, mm. Scottish centre back. He's he's got a job in in the EFL now. Actually, he's managing someone. It's actually I'm, I'm very frustrated that I can't remember who it is. But anyway, um, Neil he, Neil. Was, Regular Neil spelling Collins. of Neil. Yeah. Neil, yeah, yeah, Neil Collins. If you look it up while, while I tell this story. Mick McCarthy was at Wolves. Roy Keane was at Sunderland. Mick McCarthy wanted to sign centre-back Neil Collins from Sunderland. So he's he's McCarthy, Barnsley. Barnsley. He must Barnsley be Michael Duffer. Right. Barnsley. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. There you go. Barnsley manager. He um, wanted to, to sign Neil Collins. He could have got someone else at the club to ring someone else at Sunderland. But Mick McCarthy picked up the phone directly to speak to Roy Keane. <laughs> and say, I'd like to sign Neil Collins. And and oh, I have Roy Keane has said this. It might be in his book. He says, as far as I'm concerned, that was it in terms of the feud between me and McCarthy, because I respected the fact that he phoned me directly. Mm. He didn't have to do that. Um, and that was kind of the end of it over the, the signing of, of Neil Collins. Yeah, and it, it was all about, to be fair, I don't know if it's Mick McCarthy's fault, that 2002 World Cup is about not having balls and training fields and all that kind of stuff. And they got out to South Korea and Japan for that that epic World Cup. What did he do at Sunderland? Do you have any intel on what? Because he, you thought at that point he'd gone to be a, a serious manager, wouldn't you? In terms of his, he's obviously become a fantastic pundit. We're lucky at Sky Sports that he's he's doing that. But at that point, it was such a great start. That he thought he'd, he'd kick on and, and be a manager for a long time. I know he had a spell at Ipswich, but you felt. I wonder what it, has football changed since then? Was his his style kind of robust? Because other people say that he he's the the lighter half of the Martin O'Neill. Double act, isn't it? They've done in management. Actually, O'Neill's the the tough guy, and he's the the softer act of the two, which surprises me. Well, he um, Roy Keane says that he regrets leaving Sunderland. Um, he clashed with it. We actually had another takeover. So the this the group called Drummerville who bought the club with Niall Quinn, they were all Irish. They loved Roy Keane. Roy Keane had the run of the show. He, he ran. The, he ran. He did everything he wanted to do, and it was working. We got a new owner called Ellis Short, who since who since left. Actually, not that long ago, he left. Um, Texan billionaire he's always described <laughs> as. And he was saying to Roy, Roy, you've just spent all this money on these players. They're all out on loan. Why did I give you this money? Why are they not good enough? Why did you sign them in the first place if they're out on loan? Roy Keane was like, why are you meddling with 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 me? Mm. And so Roy Keane left. He yeah. resigned. And he says he regrets that. He should have kind of learned to work with that owner. Um, and so you'd think... So, you know, you kind of like learn from your mistakes, but after he went to Ipswich, but then after that, he just never, I'm sure he's been offered loads of jobs, but they obviously just haven't been the right ones for him because he's no. been assistant at Aston Villa, assistant at Nottingham Forest, assistant for the Republic of Ireland. Um, but when he was at Sunderland, it was, it was like, it was almost nailed on that he was going to succeed Sir Alex Ferguson, but sadly not. Yeah, absolutely. A few, a few managers probably fall into that category. He thought Mark Hughes at one point until he went to Manchester City, maybe. And then uh, Steve Bruce at some point, maybe people would have thought that. Brian Robson as well. But Roy Keane certainly stands out and probably the most similar. And that is interesting because that's almost the, 
the kind of control, the autonomy that Ferguson had at Manchester United when Keane first went to Sunderland. So that would have been, I suppose, normal for him, the manager he'd worked with. And Brian Clough as well at Forest, he would have had that ultimate control. So And, and, and he always talks about Gordon Strachan at Celtic. He loved Gordon Strachan at Celtic yeah. and he would have had that control too. Yeah, football's definitely it's definitely changed. Maybe it doesn't suit that that character of the, the the ultimate leader like Roy Keane. So where where do we go next, Tom? Because he he signed a, a Man United old boy. He was about the same age as him at the time, didn't he? When he came to Sunderland, uh, I assume you were meaning Dwight York. Yes, Dwight York, who Lorenzo put on, on there when I said about ex Sunderland Man United players. He first thing he came back with was that there are so many. Honestly, the, the link between Manchester United and Sunderland. There are so many. <laughs> Dwight York's a really interesting one. As we've been talking about Roy Keane, that's a good one. Um, because he was one of, on like towards, I think it was deadline day in the summer of 2006. Something went on this spree. We signed um, Liam Miller, former Manchester United yep. player. We and, signed and Celtic, yeah, Celtic connection as well. Yeah. Yeah. We signed Stan Barger from Celtic, Ross Wallace from Celtic. We signed Graham Kavanagh, who was the link from the Republic of Ireland. He was a brilliant uh, central midfielder, Graham Kavanagh. I loved him. Um, and we also signed Dwight York. Now, Dwight York was out playing in Australia. I think it was Sydney at the time. And, like, there was no way Dwight York wanted to leave his cushy life in Australia. But it was like he couldn't say no to Roy Keane. So, Dwight York signed for us. And remarkably, and this shocks me, people don't know this. Roy Keane wasn't signed as a, uh, sorry, uh, Dwight York wasn't signed as a striker for something. Dwight York did not play as a striker for some reason. He played played in Roy Keane's position. Played defensive midfield, right? He let Grant Ledbetter was the attacking midfielder who later came back as a defensive midfielder. Uh, But Dwight York was a defensive midfielder and people can't get their heads around that because he was such a good striker. But he came to us and played defensive midfield and he was very, very good. He was so calm on the ball. He had time on the ball. He always found he had a very good pass on him, which we knew that from his striking days. Um, he he wasn't a brilliant he wasn't like a tough tackler or anything like that but he was kind of like a what you'd call a deep lying playmaker these days a pit, you know, Sunderland's Pirlo I suppose he was like he was that type of player mm. he, he was that type of player for us and it was um, he, he couldn't really do it anymore when he got into the Premier League but he was vital for us getting into the Premier League for us getting promoted He's only 35 or so, which I'm wearing an AC Milan top today. And you think about how incredible like Giroud and Ibrahimovic, even more so, have their longevity. Because actually 35 for them was, was was kind of nothing. Giroud's still going, still scoring in the in the Champions League. But what a player he was. And it's funny when you look back at that 99 team, so many players. I think Cole left in 2001, York uh, 2002, perhaps. I think was it was just, and you think they were only 29, 30 at the time. And you think that team was was around forever, but actually it kind of disbanded pretty quickly. They won the three league titles in a row, 99, 2000, 2001. And I think Dwight York's sort of social side, maybe training etiquette, didn't please Sir Alex Ferguson in the end. But that team, yeah, Ronnie Johnson was there for a couple of years. Yep, Stam left pretty quickly afterwards as well, relatively. So that team kind of went went by the wayside. But it's great that York had that Indian summer at, at Sunderland. When, when Keane resigned... Um... Dwight York was like he wasn't caretaker manager, but he was he was kind of um, promoted to the coaching staff temporarily. And when Alex Ferguson was asked about it in a news conference, he started like smiling and said, <laughs> "Yeah, Dwight manager. I mean, I could see him managing a bar, but not a football club." <laughs> I remember it was brilliant. He was a lovely guy, actually. Well, 
sort of electronic high voltage smile. I think he still does some stuff for Sky. I don't know where he lives these days, but he used to come in quite a bit. I remember being in the makeup room at Sky Sports, probably around, I don't know, 2008, 2009. I was the young wet behind the ears as a presenter on Sky Sports Digital. But when York walked into the thingy, like kind of, you know, sharp intake of breath, you meet your hero. And he, he bowled in with his shirt and he was like, can anyone iron my shirt? <laughs> and we were like, I was like, I'm I bet not, you were like, I bet you like, I, I will, Dwight, I will. Well, I'm not good at hiding shirts, so I can't ruin Dwight York's shirt. I'd be, uh, be kind of terrible for everyone, one of my heroes to to ruin that. But I think one, of, luckily, one of the makeup ladies helped me. He looked absolutely like had no idea how to iron a shirt, so it was just an insight into a, a recently retired former footballer and what they were experienced in. But yeah, just high energy warmth to him when he when he came in. Yeah, yeah, I, I met him a few times at Sky as well. He was, yeah, he was great, lo- lovely man. He, he's, he's, um, one of those. He, he was known beyond. He's, he's known in the celebrity world as well as, yeah, the, um, as well as well as the footballing world as well. Like some people are, like Jamie Redknapp is, and uh, Michael Richards has become uh, like that as well uh, these days. And Dwight York certainly was as well. Absolutely. Strong social side to his uh, his game, which I guess we, we you know, it's an all-round character, which I suppose we always lament there's not too many in the in the modern game. And I suppose he was inextricably linked with with Andy Cole, wasn't he, as well? Is that where we go now, do you think, for, for Sunday? Well, well, I'll, not, I'll not, not at the same time. I will I will gloss over um two um former Manchester United strikers who played for Sunderland just because it didn't quite work out. They were very much in the latter stages of their career. Uh, Andy Cole did play for Sunderland um, briefly under Roy Keane. Roy Keane felt a bit light up front. Dwight, uh, sorry, Andy Cole, I think, might have even been a, a free agent or he's able to get him for free, I should say. Yeah. Um, or certainly not for very much money. He came in, didn't play that much Um and didn't last very long. And that was Louis Sahar came in for free under Martin O'Neill. Again, Martin O'Neill felt it was light up front. He'd spent a lot of money elsewhere. So he brought Louis Sahar in for free. Um, again, didn't last long. Don't think he scored a goal. So to, to those two, you know, two other former Manchester United players who played for, for Sunderland. Um, but there's not too much to say about them. Instead, I'm going to talk about, um, you know, that last Sunday... The FA Cup third round draw was made. And who did Sunderland draw? The one and only Newcastle United. Yeah. Yeah. So my next person will never, I think he's actually, I don't think he's a massive drinker actually, but he'll never have to buy a drink in Sunderland ever again because he scored an incredible winner in a derby at the State of Light in the Premier League against Newcastle. And he signed from uh, Manchester United. The free Five and a half million pounds. <laughs> yeah. Again, under Roy Keane. And uh, can you think who this versatile left footer was? Kieran Richardson. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> so Kieran, Kieran Richardson. He was ve- he was very good for something. He played uh, he played left back. He played central midfield. He played left wing. He played right wing. He played as a uh, when when we had um, when all of our strikers were injured and Steve Bruce. He played as a striker. Um, scored a couple of goals in a big win away at Blackpool that season where we finished tenth. Um, so he played under Keane. He played under. Um, played under Spragia, played under Bruce, so played under all of those um, former Manchester United, um, you know, players and staff. Um, and he was excellent for Sunderland. Really, he seemed to love the club. I've heard him talk about the club with like like real kind of love for the club. Um, and we ended up selling him to Fulham. I think he fancied him going back home, which I think no. I don't know if home was London, but his family he had family in London. He fancied a yeah. move, so he, he went to Fulham for about three million pounds. But he was well worth the money that uh, we paid, and he was 
he was he was always he was very rarely on the bench. He was someone who was he was he was often the team was built around very important player for us, Kieran Richardson. Very quick, wasn't he? And like you say, with that goal against Newcastle, smashed the free kick, really powerful left foot shot. I think for a lot of people, they thought maybe he would make quote unquote make it at Manchester United. But I suppose you look back at that time, 2007 when he moved away, Giggs was what 33 and a half, coming up 34. You had Ronaldo in his pomp, arguably his best, you know, one of his best ever seasons, 2006, 2007. So there was really hard to get in at United. And maybe like some of the players you talk about that went to Sunderland from Man United, almost lacked a, a clear-cut position in a sense, didn't he? Like you say, he could be a left winger or, or left back. And we can maybe talk about John O'Shea and Wes Brown, people that were almost utility players at United and perhaps suffered a little bit for it, even though that's a great skill to have. Yeah, he, he was great for us. And I'll give a, a quick shout-out as well to Fraser Campbell, who we signed. Yeah. Um, Fraser Campbell was wanted by loads of clubs and he chose Sunderland and he did really well for us. He got, he just had some terrible injuries. He was, him and um, Darren Bent up front together was a really good partnership. Um, he scored, he scored, he scored a few goals. He scored some brilliant goals. Um, but yeah, sadly injuries were the problem for Fraser Campbell. So quick shout out to him. Um, and of course, I know we've mentioned Liam Miller, who's sadly no longer with us. Uh, Liam Miller sadly passed away a few years ago. Um, he did work very well for us as well and was apparently a, a brilliant character um, as well. And a quick shout to Danny Welbeck who had a season on loan for us in that season under Steve Bruce where we finished 10th in the Premier League. He, he did very well for us. Um, great, for great. That. It seems like a great character, Danny Welbeck, doesn't he? Just, again, someone that loves loves football. I think he was really sad when he left Manchester United for Arsenal. It's great to see him still doing well at Brighton. All yeah, it's, out at the moment, yeah. Yeah, still a Premier League player. And Steve Bruce famously said towards the end of that season when he was on loan with us, he said he's going to take Sir Alex Ferguson out, get him drunk and get him to agree to sell Danny Welbeck to which, <laughs> sadly, which sadly never happened. Um, so next, I'm actually going to go with three because they, I, I always think these three come as a trio because they're friends. And as you know, a few weeks ago, I did a a, a brilliant talk in with the three of them. What, what fantastic. <laughs> you were brilliant. Right? <laughs> Oh, I wasn't brilliant, but these three were. I didn't need to do anything. These three were so good. Honestly, I didn't need to be there. Um, wow. I shouldn't admit that, but I didn't need to be there. They're brilliant. And uh, but uh, I suppose a back three here of Phil Bardsley, Wes Brown, and John O'Shea. Fantastic. John O'Shea was was captain, but all three of them were leaders. And when you hear them talk about Sunderland, they they really cared. They took all of everything they'd learned from Manchester United. They brought with them to Sunderland. Um. They loved it at the club. John O'Shea stayed for for each. John O'Shea stayed all the way until we got relegated to League One. Yeah, um, and, and then he he left on a free for Reading, where he went on the coaching staff as well. But they were leaders. They really kind of they they ran the dressing room. Um, they would have been a manager's dream because they would have had the managers back. They would have said, "Here, just don't you worry." Like um, Steve Bruce, Martin O'Neill, Gus Poyet. Don't, don't worry, we've got this. Don't worry, we'll sort this out. You know, us and, and Lee Catmull will sort this out. There's a problem there. Don't worry, leave it to us. Um, and those three were just um they they love the club, they love the fans, the fans love them, and they are it's uh, apologies to them that I'm I'm putting them there as a trio. Um, but they are just fan fantastic men, really good laugh, and Sunderland fans will always give them a great reception. It's really interesting to look at John O'Shea's stats here, actually. 256 league appearances for Manchester United, scored 10 goals. And he moved, actually, to you. I didn't realise he was 30 at the time he moved, actually, in 2011. United yeah. would have won that title that season uh, under Sir Alex Ferguson. But then he moved to Sunderland. Then he was there for seven years, so it would have been 37. And then for you, 226 league appearances, so slightly less, but four 
league goals, so, so less. But then he played a lot of fullback at United and quite attacking fullback off the left. Whereas, what, centre-half almost exclusively for you or did he play fullback? So, when he, Steve Bruce signed them both as a pair uh, and John O'Shea actually started as a right-back with Wes Brown at centre-back, but it wasn't working. And then when you put the two of them together at centre-back, things clicked. Um, but it's, it's quite funny because Wes Brown and John O'Shea tell this story a bit differently. Wes, Wes, so they knew that Steve Bruce wanted to sign them. And Wes Brown said to John, come on, John, what are we, we going to go? We, we're going to play, but if we're going to go, let's do it together. Let's do it properly together. And John O'Shea was like, yep, yeah, you know what? Let's do it, right? Okay, so Wes Brown says to Steve Bruce, right, yep, yeah, I'm coming up to something, it's, it's done. A day later, <laughs> John O'Shea still hadn't signed. Right. <laughs> now Wes, Wes Brown says says that Stoke had come in for John O'Shea and John wanted to speak to Stoke to see what they were offering and Wes was like John that wasn't <laughs> the deal yeah. I've signed now you were supposed to come with me don't go don't be going to Stoke so, yeah then, same colours but very different club this is this is the interesting bit because John O'Shea then picks up the story by saying like Wes claims I wasn't answering my phone. Well, I wasn't answering my phone. It wasn't because I was going to Stoke. It wasn't because I was turning my back on Sunderland. I was in the hospital because my wife was giving birth. <laughs> that's why I didn't sign for Sunderland on the exact same day as Wes Brown. That's why I wasn't answering my phone. After the baby was born, I drove to Sunderland and I signed as I said I would. Brilliant. I love it. I remember doing a feature on uh, Wes Brown when I was at MUTV very briefly in 2006. He did about 27 then. I think there was a lot of high hopes he was going to come through and and start in the team. But if you think about it, United, that would have been the time when he, when Nemanja Vidic was signing like 2006. And Vidic didn't have a great start, but became that awesome pairing with Rio Ferdinand at the heart of United's defence. And ultimately, Wes Brown, talking about playing different positions, became a right back, didn't he? He was on the bench as a a real youngster in the 99 Champions League final, but played a key part in the 2008 Champions League final in Moscow, crossing for, for Cristiano Ronaldo. So he was, again, moved around a lot at Manchester United, and it was great to see him get a, a settled position at Sunderland, even though he was probably, again, in his, his early 30s, I would have thought, at the time he moved. Yeah, he Wes Brown is in my, well, as you know, in, in my all-time Sunderland 11, Wes Brown is in it. Yeah, as a centre-half. As, as a centre-back. Um I can't remember. Yeah, I did. I have actually got Phil Barsley at right back as well, but it was very tight between um, him and Chris Makin. Um, didn't play for Manchester United, but the, the fact is that those two were both in my um, all-time Son 11, where Wes Brown was just a rock. The season that we, under Gus Poyet, when we got to the League Cup final, beat Manchester United in semis actually on penalties. Remember, the worst penalties in the world. And we went <laughs> lost the final to Manchester City, unfortunately. Um that season, there was a, a World Cup, World Cup 2014, at the end of the year. And I said, I know he's retired from international football, but Wes Brown's been the best centre-back in, in in England this season. Where, if you're going to bring someone out of retirement, like managers often do, like um, yeah. try to get skulls out of retirement, they got Carragher out of international retirement. Wes Brown should have gone. That's how good he was that season for us. A brilliant player. I'm going to, um, a quick shout, before I get on to my kind of last one, yeah. um, I will... Uh, give a quick shout to Danny Simpson. Yes. He helped get us promoted. Sadly, he went on to play for Newcastle. So that was, uh, um, <laughs> that was, uh, no, oh, I've got to put my thing in. Hold on, hold on. No worries. Take your time. The battery was going on my laptop. Oh. Um, so sad. So, so um, a, a rogue Simpson one. did really well for us. A rogue, a rogue one uh, youth player at Man United, wasn't he Simpson? But 
Mickey Gray as well was on United's books, never played for the club, but a Sunderland legend. Oh, I thought he was Manchester City, Mickey Gray. I think he was. Right? I think he was United books. You can double check that if you want to look it up. But I did read. Uh, on the Ro- I know that. Well, I read on the Roker uh, report. So I trust the Roker report that he was. Yeah, well, they will be right. The thing is, he is actually, um, I mean, he's obviously a Sunderland fan, but he's he's also a, a Manchester United fan as well, actually. Um, well, he, he goes to the press conferences now, doesn't he? He he actually interviews Eric Ten Hag for Talk Sport, Mickey Gray. Yeah, he does. Northern he correspondent, does. which is great. I'm just checking this up because that, that is actually a, a good one. He's a, a good friend of mine, Mickey Gray. Absolutely love him. You're right, it was Manchester United. Well, I, I remember playing a charity game yeah. for Mickey Gray, get, get with Mickey Gray. I didn't realise... A looks fantastic, brilliant, still blonde head of hair, not an ounce of fat on him. And I played in a charity game with him, and he's—I didn't realize he's about eight years older than me. He's nearly fifty, and he—he uh, he was just gliding over the pitch, and it was just unbelievable. To see. He'd been retired about seven years, but just yeah, so in, a natural athlete. In all his years at Sunderland, all the running, he was always first, yeah. always first. Even if he had been drinking the night before, he was always first. <laughs> um, he can't handle his drink, by the way. <laughs> well, don't, he really weighs about seven stone. <laughs> I, mean, I know this story. Um, someone was telling me this story with, with Michael Gray there, by the way, um, about how Mickey Gray was in a in a bar or a club and it, it doesn't take much for him to, to get drunk. And he was asleep with his head on the speaker. So think <laughs> of how loud that was and he was asleep. Yeah like that wow uh, so but great uh a great guy mickey gray yeah I, I, yeah like i've forgotten he was at manchester united yeah uh, did so my was, did my running in this friendly boundary park we played charity match so you could have uh, technically you could, you, could, you could have mickey, you, you could have mickey gray you could have mickey gray left back couldn't you or you could have kieran richardson or you it's john o'shea 19 year old john uh, not john o'shea um johnny evans 19 year old johnny evans loan well, to he's, Scotland. He's my la- he's he's the last one I was going to talk about actually. So uh, remember there was there was Paul McShane as well. His spell at Sunderland wasn't actually that good, sadly. Um, but yeah, Johnny Evans was a, he had two loan spells at Sunderland. He helped get us up under Roy Keane, kept keep us up under Roy Keane. And at the end of that season, which would have been 2007-2008, I believe, we yeah. bid fourteen we bid fourteen million pounds for him. Now, if you think our transfer record is thirteen point six million for Didier and Dong. In the summer of twenty sixteen, summer of twenty sixteen, we went down in twenty seventeen. So it was that season. Um, if you think Johnny, that's the thirteen point six hour transfer record. Johnny Evans would have cost fourteen million back in two thousand and eight. Yeah, that that would still be our transfer record had he signed with Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, sadly for us, said no. He was amazing for us. One of the best centre backs I've ever seen uh, in a Sunderland shirt. He was brilliant. So he gets more than a shout out. He gets a. We absolutely love him. Remember, our, who, who's who's Sunderland's club captain now? It's not Jack Clark, I'm guessing. No. Uh... I'm about, remember that I'm talking about Johnny Evans. Ye- oh, is it Evans? Is it and Evans or Northern Irish? Corey Evans, his brother. Corey Evans. <laughs> Corey Evans. I'm trying to remember he's, Corey's first name. He's been injured for not far off a year, Corey Evans, but he's he's um he's our club captain. He's Johnny Evans' brother. So there you go. Great left foot, Johnny Evans, isn't he? And actually, he's been back in United's team this year, which is incredible. I know people have criticised that, but actually, that's a great fairy tale for him to have to have left Leicester and have have got games in the the Champions League and Premier League for Manchester United in his his mid thirties. Corey Evans, then a, a recent player, brother of John, and also. You haven't mentioned Ahmed Diallo. I've just 
Googled and is apparently back in training at Manchester United has been injured. And you actually, you cited Diallo as a great two-footed player, didn't you? We talked about two-footed players. Oh, no, Diallo, no, no, very left-footed. Oh, did you? Who am I thinking of? I yeah, thought you mentioned yeah. someone. <laughs> yeah, he's very left-footed. I've just actually realised that Corey Evans was on Manchester United's books as well. Really? So I've just looked that up so we could have him as well. But yeah, but Ahmad Diallo, um, it's not that I've forgotten about him or anything. The 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 problem is we sometimes find we get very upset when we talk about Ahmad Diallo because we fell in love with him. Oh, okay. And we do this, we fall in love with lone players and we never see them again. And although, of course, there is a chance it, it, we could get him back on loan in January, maybe. Um, that, that would be amazing. He was just, I mean, we wouldn't have got the playoffs last year without him. Yeah. He is magic and i'll tell you now i don't care what anyone said i will fight <laughs> anyone on this and i will win right? <laughs> well he, physical fight or, um, yep. no no oh no i don't i don't condone that and also i, I would oh, that's not a fight i would ever win against anyone i like the guarantee soft, yeah. soft as clarts, but um i will win an argument with anyone amad diallo is significantly better than anthony right mm. and if manchester united amad diallo is back in training Ahmad Diallo, if he start on the right wing ahead of Anthony. Now, by the way, I think Jaden Sancho is better than the both, but he's not getting he's not getting back in. No. Ahmad Diallo will start on the right wing ahead of Anthony. Manchester United are a better side with Ahmad Diallo in than Anthony. I can guarantee you that. And as soon as that actually happens, you will say you were right and I will be proved right. Diallo is better than Anthony. Well, let's hope that Diallo leads him for a bright exciting 2024 Man United draw up the table and get, get a Champions League spot, maybe get through the Champions League, no, up against it this no. week. But... <laughs> Let's hope he's in a red and white shirt at the Stadium of Light, helping to get us back into the playoffs. Hey, tell, tell me about your thoughts and feelings on someone you mentioned a couple of times, but Steve Bruce. Uh, Steve Bruce actually did all right at Sunderland. Um, I was quite sad when he went. So he, he took the job. He was the right man at the right time. Um, he got us oh how many seasons oh, sorry how many seasons did he have his, his first season i think we we were never really in a relegation battle his second season we finished 10th and then he had a really bad start to the third season and he was gone now i'm not convinced he would have been sacked had it not been for the fact that martin o'neill um uh Sunderland fan as a kid was available yeah and martin o'neill got the job so when bruce went i thought we've been a bit hasty here but actually that blow was softened by the fact that I thought we were getting an upgrade in Martin O'Neill. So I don't have any you know, harsh feelings towards Steve Bruce. I thought um, all of, whenever he, in the transfer market, if he spent big on a player, it worked out. It was the kind of players that cost two or three million. They, yeah, they didn't really work out. We had a player called Christian Riveros, who was a central midfielder. We had a centre-back called... Um, Oh, what's his name? I think he was from Chile or Ecuador. Um, anyway, we had these players, didn't cost very well. We had a right back for 1.5 million called Marcos Angeleri. He signed him. He tried to sell him in the same window. <laughs> you know, these players who, co who cost next to nothing. Like George Ware's cousin. Because they were very, very poor players. But the ones he actually spent big on, they worked out. Darren Bent worked out. Um, Asamoah Jan was brilliant for a season. And... You know, we end up making our money back on him, but it's sad that sad the way he left. But he was still a good player. He got it right when he spent money. It was the in the transfer market, the ones that didn't cost money that didn't seem to work out. But he did all right at Sunderland. It's yeah. I, I never used the fact that he was a Newcastle fan as a stick to beat him with. Um, some fans did, but not as many as he makes out. 
Mm. Um, and he's famously managed Sunderland and Newcastle, Birmingham and Aston Villa. And oh, what's the other two rivals that he's... Um, Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday. Yes, yeah, he's done. A, he's done. Well, he's got so many clubs under his belt, hasn't he? To be fair, over yeah, the he, over I, the years, I, I don't. I he, he certainly he's not loved by Sunderland fans, but we certainly like him more than Newcastle fans do. They they turned on him. I didn't like how much they turned on him. It was it was all they. they Steve Bruce has said on a podcast with Neil Warnock that it went too far at Newcastle. The the kind of hatred, and actually he's right. It yeah. did. It, it went too. It went too far, and um, the stats prove that him and Rafael Benitez, who was before him, very similar. Mm. Everything was very similar. It's weird that one was so loved, one was so hated when they were so similar. Yeah, they both played defensive approach. But they had limited budgets as well at Newcastle. Obviously, Manchester United here, and I just would love to read one of Steve Bruce's novels, the Steve Barnes detective novels, because they're just they're like brilliant on the quickly Kevin Willie score podcast. Oh my God. A manager right, okay, slash detective. What, we'll end with this because this is, this is good. So a um, uh, mutual friend of ours, he said, you've got to listen to these podcasts, yeah. uh, the quickly Kevin podcast about Steve Bruce, AKA Steve Barnes. So for anyone listening, Steve Bruce wrote three football related crime thrillers Defender, sweeper, and striker. Why he said defender and sweep? Why, why didn't he say defender, midfielder, and striker? I don't know. He said defender, sweeper, and striker. Okay, and he was under the name of Steve Barnes, right? And on this podcast, they read the books and go through them. Now, the first one I listened to, I think it might have been sweeper, and it was a it was a two parter on this podcast. So actually, it was two hours worth of my life. <laughs> and I remember saying to my my friend said to me. You've got to listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah, go on. I, I remember my, my son had just been born, so I was at home a bit more. And <laughs> if 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 I was, it was lovely weather. If, if I got, got him in the shade in the garden, I'd sit in the garden with him while he was calm as a baby. And I'd listen to this podcast. And I said to my mate, you got me into it. I said, do you know what? I have had a brilliant life, okay? <laughs> I've, some, I've, I've I'm doing my dream job. I've had some fantastic nights out, some great holidays. I've got great friends, and I'll be honest, out you know, I've, you know, had some, you know, some people, some beautiful women. Let's let's put it that way, okay? Okay, <laughs> but that including Tash, yeah. But that is the best two hours of my life. It is listening to that yeah. podcast on Steve Bruce's books. Right, it is brilliant. So, not that we want to direct you to another podcast, but if you can type in quickly, Kevin Willie Score—that's the name of the podcast. Type in Steve Bruce, and there's actually there's, there's three books, but it's done over four podcasts, and it is amazing. Is it? So, 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 remember them saying someone was dead in the physio room or something, and he was also fighting relegation, <laughs> so he had to solve the crime whilst this, fighting relegation and also like they spent about a page reading out about his description of his car was it a oh, rover or a jaguar or something the, Is that the, how much yeah it? the jaguar yeah. he's, <laughs> he's in like this high speed chase but he's he's thank thank goodness i've got the jaguar x <laughs> something with its amazing yeah. handling and all this <laughs> comfy leather seats <laughs> you're on it driving away to save your life and you you're admiring your car 
Well, if I didn't love Steve Bruce enough already, that's definitely um, cemented it for me, actually, after those two goals against Sheffield Wednesday as well in 93 that, that set us on, on our path for that success, which we talked about. We won't, we won't rehash my controversial decision to put him into my top five English footballers of all time, which about another day <laughs> I, might, I might have to change that. But quick quiz question then. Player played for Cannes, Sunderland, Manchester United, so West Ham United, Nice, uh, Bordeaux, and then finished up at Red Star, Tom? David Bellion. Yes, absolutely. That is the Red Star, by the way, the French club. I always um, get confused with that, but it is David Bellion, who very quick winger who caught the eye of Ferguson, but didn't quite work out at Manchester United in the end. In a difficult time, as we say, 03 to 06, and had Ronaldo and, and other people like Ryan Giggs for competition and Kieran Richardson. Yeah, well, yeah, for us, he was a striker, actually. For us, he played as a striker. Yeah. Um, he, he, we were annoyed that he left, but you kind of have to accept that if, if you're at Sunderland and Manchester United come in, you're not going to say no. It's just a fact. Love it. Brilliant. Well, we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do. We'll get Bridgie on before Christmas or we'll do Tom McDermott or we'll do a special Christmas special. I wondered this shirt I was wearing, I'm wearing, I used to play for a five-a-side team in Chiswick at the goal centre. We were called the Mavericks. So I wonder if we could ever do a, a top five Maverick footballers. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, let's do that. Brilliant. All right, Tom, have a good week. I'll speak to you soon. 